This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Nicole Rodriguez. Nicole is an award-winning CEO and author of Beverly Hills Boss, the book and host of Beverly Hills Boss, the show. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, great question. Well, you know, as you know uh, that I've giving you a heads up before, I'm the oldest of nine kids. So I feel like leadership was something that I was destined to do. I almost like I didn't have a choice. So I feel like I've been guiding millennials my whole life. Um, being a Gen Xer, all of my siblings fall into that category. So I was kind of running, running the house as co-captain of my mom for a while. And so it, it was a very natural progression for me to just want to do well in my career as a PR and marketing practitioner, but not just do well. And I I wanted to lead. So when I got into college in my undergrad, um, my broadcast journalism professor had recommended I take a PR 101 class. Um, I had never heard of PR. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that at some point in high school, when I was thinking about college majors, I thought, well, maybe I could get into broadcast journalism, but I really, really, in a dream career, it would involve marketing, journalism, which includes writing, strategy, leadership, which I love. And so PR fell on my lap by way of my college professor who thought, well, I think you could be great in broadcast journalism, but I think you should try this first and let me know. So... I, um, I took PR 101 and I fell in love. I was just a few weeks into the course and I found my calling. It encompassed everything that I loved. And I, I believed in the trade as a whole. When my professor was explaining to me what PR could do, how it was done, how she had done it, I was inspired and I thought, I, I really, really, really want to be known as... Um, a leader in this field and eventually have my own firm, right? I'm going to learn a lot. And when I feel like I'm ready, I am going to have my own company and uh, I'm going to really show people how to appreciate PR the way I appreciate it. And uh, so was my the beginning of my journey. And about 13 years into my career, I had gone from, you know, tech intern to account coordinator to uh, working at the the Oakland Raiders, now soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I went from tech to taking an internship there to try my, try my luck in sports and entertainment PR and found that I actually did well in PR in multiple industries. So then I got into digital entertainment and just grew through the ranks, finally became vice president of digital entertainment at a pretty large 
PR firm here in Los Angeles where I was managing strategy and PR and teams for Hulu and YouTube and Emgo and a lot of other prominent companies. And my confidence at that point was, was raised. I was like, wow, you know, I'm doing really well. These companies trust me. Um, we're executing plans that are getting really incredible results. Uh, I think I'm ready. And so in 2014, registered my company, uh, officially launched it in June of 2014. And here we are just about six years later. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think uh, PR and, you know, other kind of uh, disciplines are changing. And how, how has PR changed in the last few years with kind of the advancement of technology? And how is it changing with the current landscape in terms of the pandemic as well? Yeah, you know, what, I, what I'm finding here is that a lot of people are starting to get more of an appreciation for the impact really good and clear communications can have uh, on an industry or, you know, on um, a, for a company. So uh, the pandemic has, has gone a little bit both ways, to be honest. There are some clients who are unfortunately um, seeing hardships right away because of the way their businesses are structured and um, this whole forced virtual situation, you know, have layoffs and a few of them have had cutbacks. And then there are a few of them that are like, wow, we need to double up on what's going on communication wise because we need to stay alive. We need people to understand that we are still moving forward. We need people to have confidence in who we are. So We've also had a lot of inbound new business requests because of that, because there were some companies that really didn't think much of their communication or marketing and thought, oh, well, I've got a good product. We'll see if we can let it sell itself. And realizing that in order to really cut through the, the clutter, you have to have a clear and good communications and marketing stra uh, strategy, or especially around a pandemic. Like people are going to worry, they're going to panic and um, you need to be able to reach them as human beings and help calm their fears and also know that if you have a product or some sort of service that can help them, look at Zoom. Zoom would have never imagined this, this amount of a pickup right away, right? And companies like Zoom need to double down on their PR, their communications overall, and their, their strategy uh, simply because there are a lot more people relying on them than they had ever imagined at once. So I think the companies that really get it are, are making good decisions when it comes to communications and their marketing overall to keep consumer confidence and trust up. Yeah, I agree. And I think people are becoming more accessible with the current situation. So I know myself and other podcasters have a lot easier access to people that may have not have gotten so easily on their shows and reaching their publicists and different other uh, contacts to get them on a show in terms of an interview because a lot of those people had a lot, a lot of live events planned and live speaking engagements and keynotes and majority of them were you know, canceled. Some of them moved virtually. So the void has to be filled some way. So it's kind of a adaptation of the environment in terms of moving into the uh, audio space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, it's all about pivoting and understanding that marketing isn't just done one way. There are so many channels and avenues to do it. And just because one 
door closes doesn't mean a window can't open and you just have to, you have to keep after it um, and not just give up. Otherwise, then you're, you're closing doors along with other businesses and now's not the time for that, right? We, we need to keep this country going and the best way to do that is for as many of us to be working as humanly possible and getting good, good messages out there. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, I think it's a mindset shift and a pivot. So when you run into something that's tough, like obviously you're not in control of this situation and basically the country for the most part at a standstill, but figuring out if you are a business to move things online, obviously some are brick and mortar and on-site businesses or services that are struggling, but positioning yourself or getting getting your business through this time, if you are that type of business, but still, like you said, putting out your message, your core values, and setting yourself up when you do get out of it so people know who you are and what you're about and what you can do for them. Oh, that's so important. So important. And even for people who were laid off and in the back of their mind always had this idea for a business they wanted to start, maybe a podcast they wanted to start, now's the time. You know, it's it's not time for us to throw up our hands. Now's the time to understand that there are so many tools at our disposal, you know, free ones at that. You can get on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn with regards to a business or a new business or whatever it is. And you can, there's no stopping you from how many posts and things that you're putting up and letting people know about the good works and services that you're offering. Um, I'm even helping good friends of mine who are now thinking of like these small business ideas that they would have never found the time to pull together had this not happened. So we, we've got to, as a human race, figure out all of the productive ways to use the time and the free resources for marketing that we can um, and lean on the friendships that we have for other areas of growing our business and advice. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a perfect time to add as much value or be a resource, not necessarily also for compensation. A lot, I do a lot of stuff in terms of pro bono, but since I've done that over the years, not even in this kind of pandemic situation, those rewards come in situations you don't even know about. I mean, having some uh, like a like a driven focused or a you know giving back focus in terms of leaving a legacy. When I switch that kind of mindset from my twenties to my thirties, it's exponentially grown my business and kind of my reach and my brand in that sense in terms of adding value. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, it, to your to your point, so many, uh, I can picture so many things in my head that from my 20s to 30s, um, absolutely made a shift as well. I think that with more experience comes a deeper level of um, just understanding of, of life sometimes overall and priority shifting. And I think within our 20s, we all went through crazy struggles and you know, times of making tough decisions. And hopefully by the time we get into our thirties and even our forties career wise, we are um, hopefully making better decision decisions at that point and have more confidence in our own skill sets to be able to um, push those things forward. And that's where, you know, true leadership can come from as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also a development of your uh, emotional IQ and developing emotional empathy to situations and people. And that helps you out in terms of kind of who you are and how you project yourself. Absolutely. Oh man. And I'm, I'm happy that you said that, you know, I think so many leaders forget 
that you can only learn so much in school with regards to, you know, math and English and all of that other stuff. But it's those soft skills, that emotional IQ that will come in handy when you're a leader and people are in a panic and you're in the middle of a pandemic and they're hoping that they're not going to get laid off and they're hoping that they're still going to have a job, um, you know, after this is done. So being able to communicate clearly, again, back to communication, um, but also have a sense of empathy and courage at the same time. I mean, that's really where your emotional intelligence is going to be needed and uh, hopefully kick in. Yeah, I agree. And those soft skills aren't necessarily naturally taught. So it's either you have it or you have to kind of do a really good job in terms of building habits to develop those. Um, you know, when I often hired people, a lot of the times I would hire people with kind of passion and drive and have a, a higher emotional IQ over people that were, you know, traditionally, technically, in, in the sense of schooling, had more schooling, more degrees, had that technical prowess, but that's something that you can learn. That, you know, emotional soft skill is is hard to um, to monetize in terms of value because it's so valuable and hard to find. Oh, absolutely. And uh, believe me, I'm sure you've met a lot of CEOs through your podcast, and I've met a lot of CEOs that I work with um, just simply because of my line of work. I have to work with the visionary to understand how to then communicate the vision to the world. But there are some CEOs I just won't work with. And I don't even think that they understand that their soft skills or their EQ is so off that they're losing opportunities in people that they could work with, right? I've gotten on the phone with some who are just, they're talking about all their degrees and how much they know and oh, well, I, I know more than, than your average CEO, so I just need you to do X, Y, Z for me, and, you know, please don't bother me. I have, a, you know, an important company to run kind of thing, and I'm just thinking, you have no empathy in your soul. I don't know how people are working for you right now, and I certainly will not. Like, I, I just can't, you know. I, I won't do that. It's, it's just, ugh. And, and, I know the gift that, you know, my team, when we really get behind a company, man, they see results. And for, for me to, um, I've fired clients when I've seen certain things, um, you know, certain insensitivities uh, towards employees. I mean, I had a client where I was going in once a week to help them out because they were struggling with firing, excuse me, finding new people in their marketing department. And I'll, I'll be honest, the CEO decided that he wanted to sit in the middle of the open area just to watch his employees and how many times they go to the kitchen during the day. And he would have really important business conversations about layoffs. And mind you, people are sitting in this open area. They're walking in and out of this open area. And, you know, smart guy, engineer, whatever. And as soon as I got a glimpse of that sort of just, it, there was just no empathy there at all. And I'm thinking if I work at this company, I'm terrified of whether or not I'm part of this layoff. He literally just openly said, and, um, you know, there were a couple of other things that just happened. And it, to me, I was like, you know what? 
Oh, that was just the final straw for me. I, I had to let them go. And that was a pretty big client. But I can't stand behind a leader who doesn't understand that it doesn't matter what's going on in your mind and how smart you are because of the degrees that you've earned. When it comes to a time where people are panicked and they need to feel like they can get behind a mission of a company or behind a, a company in general, they should not have to walk in in fear or even think that they're being monitored in terms of how many times they're going to the kitchen to eat. I, I can't. And and I it's it's crazy how many quote unquote brilliant executives. I mean, I've met I have a great client who's a freaking rocket scientist, just completely brilliant to the core and has such a high emotional level of emotional intelligence. I will get behind him in everything that he does, everything, because that's the type of leader that I believe in. Um, so it just, yeah, it goes to show that having that lack of emotional intelligence can also you don't realize what you can lose in terms of um, support and, and other people who will get behind you. Yeah, I agree. And you get to a certain point, you know, either in your career or growing your company where that becomes uh, a fruition. So sometimes when you start a business, you have to take clients, you may not agree with them to get to a certain point and, you know, pay payroll and, and get to the next level. But when you get to the, the point of your company where you have the luxury to align every client with your core values and make the tough decisions in terms of if they don't materialize in terms of some of the things like negative behaviors that you know aren't ethics and and core value related to your personal self and your business you have kind of the luxury at least the decision of making that choice of you know letting them go or figuring out how to fix the situation absolutely absolutely and I mean, I don't know what it's going to take to get more leaders to get to that point. I don't know if it's you, you, you see a failure and maybe you learn from it and you realize, man, maybe I should, you know, work on my soft skills. Maybe I should get some leadership training. To be honest, you know, like the, the example of the first CEO, I wanted to leave a leadership book on his desk anonymously and just be like, please read this. You are failing in terms of being a leader and you shouldn't be leading people. You need to hire a different CEO and you should just be like raising money or something because it's, yeah, I mean, he was very dis dismissive too. And you don't learn these things until you really, really see them often. You know, it wasn't until I was physically at the office regularly until I really, really saw it. I had a feeling after I saw that I was like, oh yeah, no, I can't. And, and, uh, hopefully one day soon it's, it's not going to, come to a screeching halt to learn sooner rather than later so that he can keep his amazing company going. The mission of the company is incredible, but that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed? You know, I really think setting an example has always been a driver for me. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I would say it started when I was young and for some reason I really wanted my siblings to understand that in life doing the right thing has its good payoffs even when it feels like it's the scary thing to do and that you can benefit more in life by doing things in that way and lead by example 
Yeah. So it was just always in my, my soul, my fiber, I guess, to want to lead by example. And mind you, not all my siblings did, <laughs> you know, it was always, you know, you have some of those rebellious ones who are like, Oh yeah, Cole, you think you know everything. Well, I'm going to do it my way. And, uh, God bless my siblings. I love them to death. Um, but I was like, okay, just, you see, Oh, you're going to, you're going to make it through high school without studying. Are you? Did you find the magic, the magic pill to give all of your, your teachers that, you know, the vision to just pass you in every class without really trying or, you know, it just, I would giggle, but I really did want to set an example. And so I just said, and this was even to friends too, who were, who would constantly tell me, well, Nicole, you're too nice. You can't be a leader if you're going to be nice. Sharks, you got to be a shark in life. And I'm thinking, we're 13. What kind of <laughs> what kind of shark do you think I can be? And I kept telling myself, you know, if this leadership style to me that feels so natural to, you know, be leading my siblings and our household and, and school, um, I ended up being our very first in my high school uh, female student body president. And I did it by being nice. And I did it by being, you know, popular in a way that didn't involve skipping class and being cool and doing drugs and drinking. It was quite the opposite. It was seeing people for who they were, listening to them, accepting them for all different skill sets and levels that they were, whether they were the ones skipping class to the ones who were the mathletes. You know, you see people as human beings. And um, I found that it worked. And I wanted to continue that in my professional career. So, you know, studying in college and then just growing in my, my professional career and now leading. Now I'll tell you, there are days that I, I can't be nice. I have to be very, very firm where it's like, hey, you're, you're effing up and someone needs to tell you that. This is called tough love and you need to fix this and I'm here to fix it with you. Now I can do that, right? But leading by example, I feel like is the only way to really get other people to see that leadership and uh, accountability are everything. And you can get people behind you to do just about anything. Um, you want to use that for good. And I think I do that also so that I can sleep well at night, <laughs> knowing somehow, some way, someone is watching and it can learn from this. And I, I've just found that it's benefited me. So why not try to share this so that other people can benefit in life as well through example? Yeah. And it's one of those things growing and kind of building your company and getting to your goals by helping others around you and, you know, helping others succeed. Because I mean, there's two mantras kind of building your building to the tallest it can be and knocking everybody down. Like you don't want anybody else around you or you can you know have empathy and be genuine and genuinely help people around you and you know with the mindset of there's kind of plenty of work and plenty of stuff for everybody around you and doing it the right way and taking kind of the right path like you said you know pays dividends more so than having that kind of standoffish i can only succeed in nobody else mentality that comes from a place of insecurity and fear it really does and i, I mean just watching it through life, you can tell the leaders who who don't believe that there's room at the top for everyone um, are doing so because they feel like one, they're someone's going to sniff them out, find them out, and oh, they're they're not going to follow me, and, and I'm not going to be successful. The the ones who have the mindset of abundance, where you know there is room 
at the top for everyone. And, uh, and not just everyone, right? There, there are people who I, I truly do believe are, are happy not being the leader. They're just happy following direction and supporting the leader. And that's totally okay as well. I think we need, we need everyone in order for these things to, to grow. So, um, yeah, it, it doesn't need to be where fear should lead. And I think that a lot of the people who do do that, I found it's just based on personal insecurity. That's really what it is. And a fear of, of loss, you know, and if they were to just realize that the more they work and work with others and support others, they will hold you up. They will hold you up as a leader. And I found that I have such, I'm so blessed to have my team, but I support them. I tell them, look, I'm not afraid to pass everything in my brain down to you. Cause guess what that means? The faster you take what's in my brain and you apply it and you add your own and you grow, the faster I can just become chairman of this company and golf and you guys can run it. <laughs> so I kind of joke with them about it. I'm like, hey, the CEO position is open. And what, one of you guys can, I will happily pass it when I feel like one of you guys can take it and continue running it in the way that our clients love and deserve and as well as our, our employees. And they just laugh at me because I'm like, man, you guys don't think I, I want to not have to work 14 hour days? Of course I do. I, I will happily pass the leadership position down. So Yeah, and I think it's getting to a point of kind of being secure and having people uh, develop certain skill sets that they can take over. And like you said, then your business can run smoothly and you can kind of take yourself out to work on other projects or work on the parts of the business that you're passionate about. Because to begin with, oftentimes people are kind of scared to let go in terms of worrying about people doing something wrong or just, you know, being scared of, I can only do this. This is my skill set. But when you kind of delegate out and you start trusting people, I think that business starts to really flourish. I agree. And I've seen that in motion, really, really seen it in motion. And um, just speaking from experience where there were some employees that, that early on, you know, you bring in and you learn, I think, better how to identify what works for you and your team over time. And I think I was less picky in the beginning thinking, oh, I can teach anyone PR. What I didn't realize is that I couldn't teach them emotional intelligence, confidence, and skills that if they didn't pick up in college, oh man, that it led to certain insecurities about what it was I knew they could take on. And I knew it, it probably didn't make them feel great, but when I'm correcting one paragraph seven times before it goes to a client, well, that's a, that's a problem. And somebody needs to give you tough love to say, look, have enough humility to be able to recognize where you have an issue and your sentence structure. I, I don't even have words for it. I don't know how to, how else to fix it, but to maybe even get you an English tutor. You know, I've even had to say that to an intern where I was like, I know you just graduated, but I think there were probably more writing classes that you should have taken because this isn't even, you know, if you read it out loud, I'm not sure if what it is you're hearing, but if I'm on the other end of this email, I am not thinking that you are intelligent at this point, you know, and, 
And they were like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, no, here, here's, I'm saying this from the heart. Let's do this together. And I even went and got like a fifth and sixth grade grammar book for myself. Like, look, these are the rules. This, it's not me writing them. These are the actual rules of sentence structure and, and writing. And I'm going to do this with you. And so I um, realized that there's only so much that, that you can do. And it's going to lead to some insecurities as a leader when you see that there, there are certain things that they can take on and they can't. And at that point, I started getting much better about saying, look, I believe in you and I believe that you will eventually get here. But where the company is, we need someone who absolutely has this skill already down packed so that we could take things to the next level. And I think that that has to be an okay thing to do with conversations because now I'll tell you the confidence that I have in my team members individually now because I recognize that you can only teach so much. I don't have as many insecurities about what they're capable of and I can let them go and let them be free. And that as a leader feels so much better than, can you make sure that you run all the emails by me? I just want to make sure that you put the periods in there, you know? Um, so even understanding that, yes, keep an eye on, on certain skills and, and help them grow, but you have to know when you have to cut the cord and just find someone who can do it so that you can lead with more confidence and allow those people to get the job done. And, and almost six years later, gosh, so thankful that that's what we have. So I can concentrate on my work and less on, you know, babysitting, babysitting the skills of others. Yeah, I agree. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Yeah, I, I have to say that one of my weaknesses is that I'm going to be my toughest critic, right? I'm, I'm always going to look and say, what can I do better? Okay, great. I'm going to celebrate the wins, but how can we improve this and how can I pass that down? And that leads to a lot of crazy overthinking for like, you know, just being a perfectionist in that way. How I've made that work for me though was I took those standards that I put in myself for writing, uh, communicating with clients, uh, running a meeting, giving them notes, making sure that we're accountable. I've turned that into a playbook for the team where it's like, look, guys, over and over again, I've held myself to the standard and it's worked. And our clients love it. And this is how we are going to put certain structures in place so that you guys don't have to think of the ways that you have to do it. I mean, I've worked in other firms where they all report differently or their meeting notes look different to some clients and whatever. And so there's no continuity for training and that leads to a lot of lost time. And as you know, lost time is lost money. And so I put together playbooks and I tell them, look, follow this. And if ever you find a hole, we work together, we fill in the gap and we make it better. And it keeps improving and improving. And we've gotten to a point to where we even had a potential client who came to me and said, well, this is the software that I'm building for note taking for clients. I feel like there are a lot of companies who have meetings and people walk away not understanding what the action items are and what they need to do. And he's like, so I've automated that for certain industries. And I was like, what? I was like, well, it sounds like what we're doing right now with our, our team. And I thought I was going crazy thinking, hey, we need to make sure that after every meeting, everyone knows at the top what the action item is and items were and what was discussed. 
He goes, well, I'd love to see those notes. And I was like, sure, I can send you a few examples. Sent him examples and he goes, oh my God, this is exactly the problem that I'm trying to solve. I can't believe that this is already what you guys are doing. And he's like, I'd love to use this structure as part of my software. And I was like, please. It, it, it baffles me that other companies wouldn't do this after meetings. Like you lose, you lose that time where you have a meeting and then people forget what their action items were. And then they need to have another meeting about the meeting because people forgot. It's just lost time. So I guess that's turned into some really great efficient programs that we have at the company. Obviously we keep growing them here and there, but, um, yeah, and I, I think some some other people are like, man, why do we have to do this? this? These are notes and these meetings and reports. It's just accountability. I'm very accountable to myself, which means I need to be accountable to clients and accountable to all of you, and you all need to be just as accountable. So holding everyone to that standard uh, has, you know, it's it's worked. Not everyone understands it, but I have found that it has helped become the backbone of the success of the company. Oh, that's awesome. I definitely agree. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? Don't give up if you believe in something. Whether that is personal or professional, don't give up. I've seen people, when in your heart and soul, it feels right and it feels like it's something worth pursuing. Don't let other people get in your head. Whether it's about uh, a work opportunity or a opportunity in your career. You know, I've had so many people tell me, oh, well, being a cheerleader, that's, you know, I was a professional professional NFL cheerleader and I had people tell me that I couldn't do it. You know, oh, well, hundreds of people try out. You're, you look too young. You're not going to make it. You don't look like what they're looking for. You know, mind you, when I was 21, I looked 15, but, and, but I tried out anyway. Right. I tried out at 23 looking 17 and and I did it. And professionally, people were like, oh, why are you going to start a PR firm in L.A.? It's so crowded. How are you going to find clients? You should just you know, you've got a great salary and career. You should stick to that. Don't take the risk. Man, am I glad I didn't pursue that. Same thing with like, you know, relationships, too. I've seen so many people just give up when things get hard. And I've found that when you really talk through things and you really want to make it work, it's possible. So I, I would say that that's my biggest, you know, set of advice. If you believe in something and everything in your heart and soul tells you to, don't give up on it. Get, get over the obstacles. Yeah, that's one of the biggest piece of advice I would say. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Sure. Yeah. If you go to uh, www.nrprgroup.com, you'll find our company website or www.beverlyhillsboss.com. You'll find access to my book and uh, other advice. If you want to follow me or my company on social media, at Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E-R-P-R is my handle across the board, as well as at group across the board on social media for my company. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure.
This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.